0: Luke chapter 21, if you'd go there. And I want to look at something that some of you may or may not have heard. And I don't know if this is a sermon or a Bible study or what this is, but I'm going to try to inform you a little bit about the blood moons that are coming up. Anybody heard of those? Anybody studied into them? Kind of interesting. I knew Becky would. That would be right up her, her alley right there. I knew she would. I know all about them. I know all about them. The blood moon <laughs> is really Interesting. And it's one of those things that's got the internet on fire, you know. People are fighting and arguing and discussing and, and going on about the blood moons and what, what, they, what they represent. And I'm going to try to uh, give you a little bit of information on it um, And because they are coming up here very soon. And whether what it's going to be, I don't know. Luke chapter 21, verse 25. Everyone there? Luke 21, 25. Don't get in trouble, I repeated it. Luke, 21. 21. Section's underlined. 20, you got it underlined? <laughs> and it says, And there uh, there will be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, the stress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man come in in the cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption draweth near. I will show wonders in heaven and in the earth, blood, fire, pillars of smoke. This is Joel chapter 2. I'm sorry, I should have told you that. You don't have to turn there, I'll just read it to you. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of Jehovah. Acts chapter 2 verse 20 says the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and glorious day of the Lord. Father, I pray that you'll direct today, help us to learn something, build our faith during this time, and Lord, I just pray that you'll direct all the worship to you through us today in Jesus' name, amen. John Hagee wrote a book in 2013, it was called uh, Four Blood Moons, Something is About to Change I think was the name of it. And it was popular to say the least. It was sold out before it hit printing Um, several times over, I guess. It was very popular. And it talked about these blood moons. And what is a blood moon? Blood moon is when the sun's on this side and the moon's on this side and the earth is directly in the center. And so the the rays from the sun basically bend around the earth and hit the moon and it causes it to turn red. Uh, They're very common. And this is the part that people misunderstand. Blood moons are are not rare, per se. They happen occasionally. But what's um, so interesting or or compelling about this instance is that we're having four upcoming blood moons and also a a total uh, solar eclipse. And every one of those events is happening on a a vital or critical Jewish holiday. And this doesn't happen very often. It's very rare that this takes place. There's only been a couple of times in the last 500 years, it's happened three times actually, in the last 500 years that this event has happened. Um, Each one of those times, it has been a uh, a very amazing, and and I don't know what you would say, traumatic event for Israel, a very uh, substantial event that took place in Israel during each one of those times. So these blood moons are thought to have great significance that are coming up. Now when we look at what's going on in the world right now, we can see where that's very possible. Israel is army, and they are about to the point of saying, we're done waiting for America. We're going to defend ourselves against Iran's bomb that they're building. So it's very conceivable to see that something very interesting is going to happen. So these four lunar eclipses that are going to take place, these blood moons as they're called, uh, and, and the term blood moon is really kind of a religious one. It was kind of coined on the religious side. Normally NASA calls them a red moon, uh, the same thing. Um, well, the first one in the last 500 years occurred in 1492. Anybody remember that date? <laughs> Anybody here during that date? <laughs> okay, Devin was? <laughs> as you will remember... Uh, 1492 King Ferdinand, Queen Isabella of Spain ordered all the Jews to be uh, cast out of the country after o- over 200 years where Spain was kind of a, a, a safe haven for the Jews uh, and there was a huge Jewish population in that homeland in 1492 they had this sequence of blood moons that took place exactly like we're going to see coming up now. And it was the very time when King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella booted all the Jews out of Spain. Uh, During that time, uh, you also remember that uh, Christopher Columbus Set, uh, set foot on the the new the new world. In fact, his his own words were in the same month in which their majesties Ferdinand and Isabella issued the edict that all Jews should be driven out of the kingdom of his territories. In the same month, they gave me the order to undertake with a sufficient man my expedition of the discoveries to the Indies. So that's how his diary began. The expulsion that. Uh, Columbus referred to was a <coughs> cataclysmic event, uh, one of the most cataclysmic events that the Jews ever faced, and that year they were cast out of what was uh, of safe haven for them, but at the same time, a new world, in a sense, was birthed in the United States of America. Of course, it was years before it became the United States, uh, several hundred years before it became what we know as the United States today, but in a sense, God was Uh, starting or seeding a new land as the Jews were being kicked out of the old land. Uh, The entire community of over 200,000 people were kicked out of the land during that time. Many died trying to reach safety. Uh, Many ships captains, Spanish ship captains were hired by Jews to safely get them out of the land. They'd take their money, they'd get out into the ocean, then they'd toss the Jews overboard. Uh, it, many, many people died during that expulsion. Uh, amazingly, the same time, God seemed to be planning something in the creation of America. But what we have to look at today is what is America doing now? <laughs> Our whole attitude in the last six years has turned. On the whole, I'm talking about a nation. Our attitude toward Israel has done a complete 180, at least on the, on the political level, on the, on the level of our leadership. There was another blood moon in 1949-1950 range during the first Arab-Israeli war for independence just after Israel had become a nation again for the first time in 2,000 years. The Israelites, and you know the story, they had been scattered around because of sin, God scattered them across the world, but he made a promise in his word and he said you will be brought back together into your land. Well the Jews came back together in their land, and in in 1948 they were declared a nation. Well almost immediately the uh, Arabs did what Arabs do and they attacked, (laughs) They, they they came after them for it. Uh, even though the Israel declared themselves a nation in 1948, the first permanent government took office on January 25th in 1949. Israel had a transitional government from in 1948. So the four, four blood moons can tie to 1948, 1949, and 1950. On May 14th of 1948, Israel proclaimed its independence. Less than 24 hours later, the regular armies of Egypt, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, and Iraq invaded Israel. And we're not talking about a huge nation here. We're talking about a nation that's what, about the size of Delaware? (laughs) New Hampshire? Something like that? Very small nation. And we're talking about Egypt's not a small place. But these armies attacked Egypt, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, and Iraq, invaded Israel, Uh, even though it had regained its ancestral homeland. But God had brought those people together. God had established the Jews. God had established their nation. And so... In what became known as Israeli War for Independence, the newly formed, poorly equipped Israeli defense forces repulsed the invaders in a fierce intermittent fighting which lasted some 15 months and claimed over 6,000 Jews' lives, nearly 1% of the country's entire Jewish population. That was the second uh, tri- uh, triad of uh, moves that we see now uh, Basically what we, the same thing we're about to see. That was the second time that occurred. There was a third time that it occurred in 1967. And it co- coincided with the Six Day War when his, his, Israel captured Jerusalem. Up until that time, Jerusalem was divided and it was uh, not in Israeli hands. As Israeli's neighbors prepared to destroy the Jewish state, Israel invoked its inherent right of self-defense, launching a preemptive strike on the 5th of June 1967 against Egypt in the south. It was followed by a counterattack against Jordan in the east and routing of the Syrian forces entrenched on the Golan Heights in the north. At the end of six days of fighting, Previous ceasefire lines were replaced by the old ones with Judea, Samaria, Gaza, and the Sinai Peninsula and the Golan Heights now under Israeli control. In six days, they basically trounced all the Arabs around them. That was the third time that there was this lineup of the blood moons. As a result, the north villages were freed from 19 years of incurment of Assyrian shelling. And the passage of Israeli and Israel-bound shipping through the Straits of Tehran were ensured, and Jerusalem, which had been divided under Israeli and Jordan rule since 1949, was reunified under Israeli control. So that's the other times in recorded history that what we're about to see took place. And every time, it was a major major event for Israel. Uh, And we see that coming again, it seems here. In the Jewish Talmud, or the book of tradition, it says when the moon is in its eclipse, it is a bad omen for Israel. If its face is red as blood, it is a sign that the sword is coming to the world. Therefore, the lunar eclipse is a bad omen for, it, for the Jewish people and Israel. The blood moon equals sword coming. Solar eclipse is a bad omen for the world. Now, that's just a book of tradition. I'm not talking about Scripture there, so I just want you to understand that's a book of tradition. But that's what they understand. They understand when the blood moons happen on these Jewish holidays, then it's a a bad sign for Israel. Something bad is about to happen. But when you have the solar eclipse intermingled in there, that's a bad sign for the world. Folks, both those are coming up. (laughs) And they're starting next month. All right? Uh, The blood moons of of 2014 and 2015, these four total lunar eclipses and two solar eclipses will occur on Jewish holidays of Passover, the Feast of Tabernacles, and the Feast of Trumpets. There are others before and will be others after, but they don't fall on these Jewish holy days like the ones that are coming up. Now when we look at the way that right now we have uprisings in Egypt, Syria, Libya, and (coughs) Yemen, Iran with a nuclear bomb. Muslims and Muslim Brotherhood proclaiming that Israel will be removed from the map. This is all daily news. This is stuff you see every day when you look at the news. John Kerry pushing for Israel to give back land. Let me tell you something. Every time, going back to George Bush, going back before George Bush, every time America has pushed Israel to give back land, something cataclysmic has happened in America. It's happened every time. You can go to the to the big storm Sandy and, and, and such, and those storms happened right after America pushed Israel in the wrong way. Uh, the tie is irrefutable, but John Kerry is doing that right now, pushing for Israel to give land back to the Arabs to proclaim a Palestinian state. Let me tell you something: there is no such thing as Palestinians; they're Arabs. There has never been a Palestinian people. <laughs> Palestine is God's land. It was uh, it's, it's Israel. Palestinians are Arabs who are trying to create themselves as a race that didn't ever exist and then claim land that never has belonged to them. Obama has very close ties with the Muslim Brotherhood while hostile towards Israel and Christians. And he often proclaims his closeness to the Muslim Brotherhood, Obama's failure to act on Iran's bomb, forcing Israel to act unilaterally. Obama keeps saying, just wait, just wait, just wait, just wait. Now if you had a next door neighbor with a nuclear bomb, would you want to wait? (laughs) And Israel, Netanyahu, is getting more and more back to the wall because he knows Iran is close. Russia's helping them, China's helping them, different ones are helping them get this bomb developed, and America's doing nothing, so uh, I was reading yesterday, I think it was, that uh, Israel has allocated, what, $15 billion for their upcoming attack against Iran. It's coming, and it's ironic, isn't it? No, not really. It's God's design that it happens to be when these blood moons are about to take place. April 15th of 2014 and and August 8th of 2014 will be the two blood moons that we'll have this year. So the first one's coming up next month. Next year, April 4th and September 28th. Now these blood moons correspond on Passover. The first ones are on Passover. The second one is on Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, And so... According to Mark, uh, Pastor Mark Blitz, I like what he wrote. He said, not only are there four blood moons on, uh, on April 15th, 2014, and August 8th, 2014, and then uh, uh, April 4th, 2015, and September 28th, 2015, but the added significance is that the total solar eclipse on March 20th of 2015 is on the biblical calendar of Nisan, the first of Nisan. Nisan 1 begins a religious new year according to scriptures. Let's explain. This date was the grand opening of Moses' tabernacle in the wilderness. On that very day. The day that we're going to have a total solar eclipse. This is the day that great sign came and fire fell to light the burning offering. So here we have a total solar eclipse beginning the religious year followed Two weeks later, by a total lunar eclipse, blood moon, on Passover, followed by the next solar eclipse, partial on September 13th, which just so happens to be Rosh Hashanah. So we see this coming up. Is it a sign? Now, I've looked at both sides of this. Because, you know, I always do that. I, I like to look both sides. And I've listened to the critics, and I've read the critics, and I've, I've listened to their sermons. And and, and I and there are some serious critics, and as usual, most of the criticism always comes from Christians. Um, and I I don't know. I look at their arguments, and I wonder where they're coming from, to be honest. Because uh, one of them I listened to was, was playing clips of John Hagee on Fox News, where John Hagee made... Uh, statements about this and, and the, the interviewer asked him what exactly is going to be coming up what's happening what are we expecting to take place with these with these four blood moons and John Hagee's answer was I don't know all I know is something amazing is about to happen I don't know what it is and so this critic was saying well you can't even tell us what's happening so what are you saying we're going to have four blood moons so maybe possibly something could possibly happen oh well that's not very convincing let me tell you something. Let's back up to 1967. Do you think that if they looked at the significance of the blue blood moons at that time, that, that, that you could have asked them, well, what's exactly going to happen? And they would have said, oh, well, Egypt and Syria, all these are going to attack, and there's going to be this big fight. They wouldn't know that. They had no idea. All they knew, would know is something was seriously about to happen. That's where we're at. Israel is about to face a huge trial. I believe it. And I believe that the world is about to face a huge trial. I want us to look at Matthew 24 and I want to look at a couple of things that I think are very uh, significant to this. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. And I want to look at what, what Scripture says about these signs. See, the problem we have is we always want a big huge sign. We want a sign. But let's look at what scripture says about it. Matthew chapter 24, verse 1. And it says and Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple and Jesus said unto them, "See ye not all these things? verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down." And he said upon the olives and He sat upon the mount, and all the disciples came unto Him, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of Thy coming and of the end of the world? Or uh, what we would more likely say today, the end of the age. The disciples asked Jesus for a specific sign. We like that. We feel comfortable with that. We want We want God and God's Word to throw some flag up. Boom! A big light lights up in the sky and you know today is the day Jesus is coming back. You know, we want something that significant. We want the blood moons to be the trigger that tells us that something's about to happen. But verse 4, Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Yeah. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See, that be not troubled, for those things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. And all of these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall de- they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise, and many shall, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall bound, the love of many shall wax cold. He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Now there's a sermon in that one, and I'm not going to get in too much trouble today. But I'm going to ask you, if you don't endure to the end, what happens? You're not saved. Verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto the nations and, and then shall the end come. And when ye shall therefore and when ye therefore shall see the abomination and desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, whoso readeth let him understand, then let him, them which be in Judea flee to the mountains, let him which is on the housetop come not down to take any things out of his house, neither let him which is in the field turn back unto the, to take his clothes. But, and woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray that your flight be not in winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall there be tribulation such as what not since the beginning of the world to this time no nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn a parable of a fig tree when its branches are yet tender and put forth leaves. Ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise, when ye shall see, what? All these things. There's the key, folks. There's what we cannot forget when we're looking at last day's prophecy. See, when they asked Jesus, they said, what is the sign of your coming and the end of the age? What what are you going to show us? What's there? Jesus goes through a whole bunch of stuff that we see every day. Right? (laughs) Pestilences, earthquakes, famines, wars, rumors of wars, false prophets, false doctrine, uh, betrayal. I mean, you can go down the list. And that's where the criticism comes in. But Jesus did not give us one single boom, there it is. He said, when you see all these things. So I think we need to be careful to not look at the blue moon, uh, blue moon ooh, the, red, the red moons, the blood moons, and hang our hat on that as being this is, this is the launching point. A lot of people are doing that. The rapture is going to happen on, the, on the, the fourth blood moon. I think we're in danger doing that. We need to realize this is a sign, not the sign. Now, could it be the sign? Sure. But I think we need to be careful and not make ourselves look like fools by hanging our hat on the whole thing. Okay? And this is why, and one day God's going to free me up to do a, a message on why I don't necessarily believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, but this is one of the reasons. Because they ask Jesus a direct question. They ask Him straight out. What shall be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And He goes through a whole lot of vague things in a sense. Building a big picture, saying look at all these things together. Now, if millions of people all of a sudden vanished off the earth, they were gone, why wouldn't He have mentioned that? Yeah. To me, that would be a pretty big sign. Yeah. <laughs> but he doesn't say that. He doesn't even mention that. And I've asked prophecy preachers that, and they say, "Oh, that's because he's talking to the Jews. Well, he's talking to the Jews through the whole Bible. <laughs> of course he was talking to the Jews. Um, but even if you're Jewish and you live in 2014, if, a million, if millions of people across the earth vanished, you would watch CNN or Fox News and know what happened. It would, you know, it would be a pretty huge sign, but it's not until uh, we get down to verse thirty and thirty-one that we actually see the children of God being taken out. So I just threw that part in there to get you thinking, so you can be mad at me later for not agreeing with the pre-tribulation rapture. But we have to realize that this whole thing, this is a sign that's coming. It's very serious. I think it's a very serious sign that's coming. What does he tell us? False Christs. Are there any false Christs in the world? Oh my. He says wars, rumors of wars, famines, pestilences, earthquakes, Jews and Christians being hated by all and persecuted, offense, betrayal, false prophets, many deceived. Iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall grow cold, the gospel will be preached in all nations, and then we'll see the abomination and desolation. We have this big picture of uh, prophetic signs that, that he tells us to look at. So, I've also heard him criticize the blood moons by saying, uh, well, they say that... Uh, that some of these blood moons won't even be visible in Israel. So how can it be a sign to Israel? Well, oh, who cares if they're visible in Israel? The fact is we're having blood moons. We're having this sign. It doesn't say it has to be visible in Israel. It's a sign of something very possibly happening in Israel. doesn't mean it has to be visible. They've argued it in a lot of different levels. They've attacked John Hagee on it. And I wanted to bring it out to you to get you thinking about it, because I think we're about to see some interesting things. But the main thing is, what's most important is to know where your heart is before your God. What if nothing happens? That's okay. I'm good. I believe something will happen. We have a pattern that something very serious is going to happen with Israel. All the signs would tell us it's going to. Something very serious is going to happen in the world. All the signs tell us it's going to. And we've been preaching it futuristic for so long. But folks, futuristic's over. It's now. It's yes, here. Amen. It's, yes. it's now. It's happening. This thing, And when is it? Before the blood moves? During the blood moves? After the blood moves? I don't know. It's a time frame. I can't tell you. Next week this is going to happen. Next month it's going to happen. But... My biggest concern as a pastor is that every one of you are ready for the day that we're looking at. That's my biggest concern as a pastor. This is very interesting and, and a lot of people love to study it and argue it back and forth. I don't I don't I try not to hang too much on it, but I don't want to dismiss it. It's very important. It's a sign. But the biggest sign is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. Amen. Yes. That is the most important thing, and that's the thing that that we can never let something... we got people preaching prophecy so much, they forgot about Jesus Christ. They forgot about the cross of Calvary. Yes. We're not doing the world any good if we're preaching prophecy without the Gospel. Amen. And I bring you this today, mostly to inform you. I want you to realize what's coming. I believe something's coming. Don't point a finger at me if nothing big happens in the next year, but I believe something's going to. Yes. I believe very strongly. And my worry, my concern, my burden as a pastor is that we are ready for it. Because, as we said last week, when this stuff begins to happen, people are going to flock to the churches again. Just like they did 9-11. They're going to flock to the churches again. And the church had better have an answer. The church had better not be bickering. They better not be fighting. They had better not be angry. And when they walk through those doors, the church had better love them. Amen. Give them all the love of God as they walk into the place. The love of God needs to flow through us. The gospel message. We're not here to coddle. We're here to tell people the truth. And sometimes the truth makes them mad. That's fine. I would rather have somebody mad that knows that they need to surrender their life to Jesus Christ because of the sin in their life. They'll get mad at me over that. That's fine. But I don't want them to maybe be mad at me because there's bickering going on in the church or, or somebody's angry or somebody ignored them or somebody didn't care about them. I want us to love them when they come in here. And the best way, you know, it's just like a family. The best way you can show them love is to love each other. And the best way we can love each other is to love our Lord and God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Because if we don't love Him, we can't love us. So that's why I brought that to you today.